0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Gateway brought to you by the Northern Illinois University College of Business, where your future is without boundaries and our approach is too. I am joined, as always, with my incredible co-host, Dr. Biagio Pellese. Hello, Biagio. Ciao tutti. Welcome. Welcome to another great episode. For this episode... Physical Education in Virtual Reality. The Gateway is proud to welcome Dr. Zachary Wall Alexander, Associate Professor of Physical Education, Teacher Education at Northern Illinois University. With a Ph.D. in Human Performance from the University of Alabama, Dr. Wall Alexander's research examines which pedagogical changes can inform and impact teaching practices within the context of physical education and physical activity. Dr. Wall Alexander also investigates the sports education pedagogical model, negotiated curriculum and building community-based partnerships, i.e. summer camps, juvenile detention centers, focused on providing youth opportunities to be physically active. Zach, welcome to The Gateway. Thanks so much for being here today.
1: Diagio, Ross. I appreciate you having me. And uh, I'm excited to talk to you guys this morning.
0: Perfect, perfect. So I always like to start these right at the beginning. So can you give us a little bit of background on where you're coming from, where you're at, and, and how you got into teaching in the virtual reality? I know that sounds weird, but I, I'm yeah. interested.
1: <laughs> yep, so um, I am originally from New York, I did my undergraduate at the University of Georgia and I studied physical and health education. So, basically, training uh, physical education teachers. I wanted to be a PE teacher. And then, after my undergrad, I ended up going to the University of Alabama where I got my master's and got my PhD. And while I was down there, um, you know, I started to do some research in a lot of different contexts. And when I came out, this is my actually my eighth year here at NIU. And, um, you know, my roles and responsibilities here, basically, I train physical educators. So we're in the College of Education, KMPE department. And um, my kind of like how I think your other question about how I kind of found this virtual reality, it's actually kind of funny. So about four or five years ago, um, while I was training, you know, my teachers, I, we, we basically take them through some lecture classes where they learn content, and then we bring them into the field which is, you know, local elementary schools, local middle schools and high schools where they're actually teaching, like, as I like to say, with like live bullets, right? Like we do some stuff in the gym, but then we go out into like the real world where it's totally different. So, you know, that was a struggle for them. And I was trying to figure out some ways in which we can kind of make them better prepared, essentially. So I was looking at some research, um, kind of looking at like fighter pilots and looking at um, surgeons and those types of things. And one of the things I found was like they would integrate virtual reality training, so one of the things I did, I actually partnered with, and this was a couple probably about four or five years ago, um, an undergrad through I not it's not USOR, but it's one of the undergrad programs where they get like they give undergrads grant money through virtual reality department. And basically what he did is he created Jefferson Elementary, which is a local elementary school that we partner with. He created that gym space and what we had our pre-service teachers do, um, our undergrads, where they would go into the Jefferson Elementary virtual reality space they would walk through their lesson and then they would actually literally drive to Jefferson Elementary and teach the lesson. So what I found from that experience is that the students for the most part felt that it was extremely beneficial because they were able to um, see their lesson in action. They were able to, um, you know, kind of visualize like what it would look like. And similar to the findings, you know, from fighter pilots, the army surgeons is kind of getting that practice in the physical space kind of led to better performance. So When that student kind of moved on, I kind of, that project kind of died. I am not great with technology, ironically enough. Um, And then I got contacted by the university last summer, right before the summer, about potentially partnering and teaching through the, you know, the metaverse or whatever they call it in VR. Um, And that's kind of how it all started, I guess.
0: Zach, Zach, that's that's truly incredible because I, I think especially when i think of fighter pilots and surgeons i I'm, I'm thinking of life and death and and it's nice to have a space where you can mess up and 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 not really have the the full consequences of that stuff right. but there's a lot of elements in life that that may, maybe we don't put as much of a um Criteria or a standard on for like, all right, if you mess up with you know your PE, um, you know practice, you'll you'll pick it up and do better next week. But there's still there's there's still no net, and there's still things that can go wrong, and it can still be negative experience. Where being able to go through that uh, is a lot more safe and and, and it, you get to have more fun did you find that your students enjoyed then the reality when they went and did it a little bit more cuz
1: they they were able to do like a practice
0: run or did it did it cause problems
1: yeah that's a great question so what i was finding is this is typically their first experience teaching live kids so there was a lot of anxiety attached to that a lot of nervousness attached to that and typically When anxiety and nerves become excessive, that can impact the performance, right? So like, yeah, like we're not, if they mess up a lesson or they don't demonstrate something right, like it's not life or death. You know what I mean? I could probably make the argument that it is, but it's (laughs) truly not, you know, it's truly not. So, But like what I was trying to do was to try to provide them with more confidence and comfort going into the lesson because they'd actually, you know, essentially had like a practice run They knew everything would fit. They knew where they were going to do their demonstrations, how they were going to set up. And there's little intricacies about teaching that if you do correctly, it's going to lead to better performance and a better outcome. So that was what my, um, you know, the purpose of it was, was to try to provide them with a better opportunity to succeed once they go in the schools. And typically, you know, the better they do in the schools, the more confidence, you Mm -hmm. Uh, the higher their self-efficacy is going to be. So they're going to lead to better performance, but then also future performance as well. So, you know, they're really the only negative pushback that I got was like, oh, I got to drive over there. Like, oh, parking was a pain in the butt. Like they, the actual experience of it was really overwhelmingly positive.
0: That that's incredible. So here here's then where I start to think about as as we go with this stuff and and specifically with physical education. We're we're in the Midwest, so you know, we have weather and things like that. And I, I think of all of my schools and all of the, the education I had experiences of. We had full massive gyms and workout. I was I was very lucky and privileged to have those experiences. But now, could you see a future where if you have these goggles and this stuff, that's that's enough? That That's good enough? Or is there still going to be some element um, that we need those actual spaces, those traditional experiences that we've all kind of been raised on?
1: Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think... Having gone through the pandemic the last couple of years, you know, you, a lot of the students, the feedback was that it just wasn't the same experience. You know I mean? They're not getting that social aspect of just being in class. They're not getting the social aspect of living on campus, which I think is really, you know, a maybe more of a beneficial part of college is just like, you know, being able to live on your own and getting those experiences. Um, you know, I, I think just having taught it, typically the students are like, yeah, you know, the students hate it, but the professors love it. I I mean, I didn't enjoy it. Like, I like the relationship piece of it as well. I think that's an enjoyable piece. But I do think there's obviously a lot of downsides to, um, like, you know, using Zoom. If I have a class of 50, I might have five people put their cameras on where when we teach, when I taught in VR this semester, you know, every student has their own avatar. There is more of like that interactive piece that was missing on Zoom. So, you know, if if I were to you know, say that this can kind of take the place of, you know, traditional instruction. Yeah, I'd almost be like talking myself out of a job because I definitely (laughs) think that, you know, for like, I'm sure there are faculty out there that aren't great and don't build those relationships and they're missing that piece. Mm -hmm. And like, yeah, in that circumstance, sure, online classes, I think would be way more beneficial, you know, in this context or using VR, but it's, it's really hard to take the place of that, face-to-face interaction i think there's definitely something missing when you don't have that face-to-face piece Mm -hmm. um but i definitely think there's definitely a like a purpose for this in education especially now you know who knows what pandemic is going to bring and what the future ramifications are of that but i know certainly i would prefer to teach in like a sense you know vr compared to zooms which is you know and team meetings which is what it used to be i guess
0: right right so so when i i want to hone in on that then because i think a lot of times the conversation is is it virtual or not and now we we have developed these technologies that it takes it from well virtual is not specific enough are we talking again teams and and cameras and being stationary or are we talking about actually using avatars and the metaverse and all of that stuff for you what um is there a Is there a benefit to doing just like the Zoom's Teams meetings? Or would you always pick more of the the full-bodied avatar, virtual reality, metaverse, all of that stuff?
2: Um, If I can follow up on that, it would be uh, like, what is the extra effort that you need to put to bring a class from like a very simple, this is the link and put, I mean, jump in to have it like in a virtual reality environment?
1: That's a great question. So... I think there's definitely more planning that goes into place. I would say it's once these students understand how to get into the physical space. Yes. It's a little bit more burdensome than just clicking on a link, Um, but it's not great. It's, you know, once you've done it two or three times, like, Oh, you click this, click this, click this. It's almost like, you know, it's almost like logging into a video game. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like you load it up, you click this button, you click this button, you click this button and you're in. Um, There's definitely, I think a lot of it is, you know, there, there's just some like some of the negatives that we experienced this semester is because um, the way I integrated it this semester, I essentially kind of combined face-to-face classes where I would be in person, and then um, certain class periods I would actually have them log in from home, and we mm-hmm. would do like kind of practice sessions at home where I'd be able to critique their performance because they actually created. So I'm in I'm housed in Anderson Hall, mm-hmm. and one of the spaces that we use is Anderson Hall 102, which is a gym space. So they recreated that space for me. So it's it's exact dimensions. It looks just like it. We have equipment there that these students can utilize. And you know, instead of you know some certain days, I'd have them log in from home so they wouldn't have to make the drive. Um, you know, if I thought it would be you know purposeful, but. The other the you know, I think the hardest part is like I had students that got sick from it. You know what I mean? Like mm. they got motion sickness. Like, and that's a real thing. Like I I I don't do great with heights and those things. So you have to get used to that. Um, the movement is not as fluid as like if you're in person. Um, but there's just a lot more. What I use it for, and it was really successful, is like seeing the students basically like model instruction because whether it's like a you know a cartoon figure of yourself or you're in person, a lot of those things transfer. There's full audio, so I can hear just the same as in a Zoom or just the same as in person. The thing I think that gets lost in translation a little bit is like disseminating content. So like, you know, a lot of, so like, so for example, if I'm teaching them the proper mechanics of doing like a a demonstration, like how you demonstrate a task, there's, you know, different steps that you go through and I have a couple PowerPoint slides and I'm not like a PowerPoint heavy professor, but, you know, I have maybe four or five slides and you can actually have them sit in a lecture hall and watch the slides on a slide deck in VR, but I don't know, like, it, I think that is it's easier via Zoom and you can kind of like, I can see their faces, like their actual faces to see like, you know, when I'm teaching, I can tell if people are bored, I can tell if people are getting it or if it, they're confused you know, just reading the body language and that gets missed a little bit in the VR, I would say. Um, so that would probably be some of the, you know, the positives and the use cases and then where I might lean more towards the Zooms.
2: Zach, I have uh, I have one more question. And I, I think it, I didn't know about the fact that you had both physical classes and, and visual reality classes. And I think that's, uh, that's huge because you can make the comparison on how students behave in virtual reality and versus in person and you know my advisor was one of the first people that were studying like virtual team versus you know in person teams is there anything like that spark uh in when you were observing your students interacting in the metaverse versus in person like something like is unique that you know you see in the per- in the in person versus something that you see in the virtual space
1: do, do are you asking? Did I see differences between when I see like their teaching?
2: They their their behavior in the space, like when they are physically in the space versus when they are in the metaverse. Beta, if there is something that kind of like it's noticeable, like
1: it's hard to be honest. It's hard. I haven't done it enough, so you know it's yeah. almost like I've only kind of. I really this is true, like a true pilot. I'm integrating it a lot more in the spring. Um, so it's, you know, I can't really say anything definitively. I definitely think some people are less comfortable with just type, like, if people don't play video games and aren't used to those things, moving is tricky. Like I am not a video game person. Like it, it took me a while to, to figure out how to like fluidly move. Um, you know, like, cause you use a joystick essentially. And then like, you're, you know, you're using a joystick to move in space, but then you're looking and it's looking. So like, it takes a minute, um, to figure that out. So I think there's definitely some that aren't as comfortable there. I haven't noticed, you know, some people are maybe a little nervous about teaching their peers in person. I haven't really seen or heard gotten feedback from people saying like, "Oh yeah, I felt so much better doing it there." But also, it's it's so new that, you know, it's it's hard to tell.
2: So in terms of also like related to that in terms of like their performance, uh like when when you you ask them to perform something in the metaverse compared to in uh, in person, like do you think there are some differences in in that. yeah yeah
1: they're not they're typically better in person than they are about and how i how i plan to utilize the tool in the spring is in, in uh the spring we i teach this class and it's essentially we call them pedagogy lab so it's basically breaking down effective teaching practices into different things so we teach them how to demonstrate a task how to provide an introduction a closure actively supervise and we break down each of those individual skills so how it's going to work is they're going to get opportunities to practice in the like in the metaverse or VR prior to their implementation or into their basically like we give them like exams where they actually literally have to go. It's like a practical. So uh-huh. they're going to practice once or twice in VR and then they'll come into the space and perform it live. And like, I mean, call it what it is. Like I tell my students all the time, like how they should prepare and they should visualize and do all these things. But like I can't force them to do it. But this is a way I can force them to do it. Um, and it, cause it works. I mean, the more you practice something, the better you yeah. get at it. And the more realistic the practice, the better the product is going to be. So like, I tell them all these things, but you know, some of them listen, some of them don't, but this is a way I can almost like force them
2: to prepare better, which is kind of the purpose. So I guess in spring, we have to talk again. Cause that's, that's super interesting to me. And and I want to say like, I started my PhD and I, I didn't know I had the passion to teaching and I know different yeah. people had different personalities so I think like when I was a TA in class and then going to be a teacher in class, even you know at a college level is a completely different ball game. Uh, and I totally agree with you. The more you practice, the better you will get, and the more comfortable you will get. So I think definitely get those practice in the metaverse will will be beneficial for them. Hopefully they take advantage of it.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I t- totally agree.
0: So Zach, as you're, uh. uh an incredible expert in your area, in physical education, in in all of these different elements of it. Do you see what you're doing with virtual reality, specifically with this area, being something that is taught in the future. Like like can you see this being a class for physical education professionals that you you have one class of virtual reality? This is this is a tool that needs to be known about. Maybe it's not something you use all the time, but it but it needs to be a part of it. Or is this more of a of a fad that's kind of like yeah it's cool, it's interesting, but it's it's going to fade
1: away like I don't know, roller skates. I don't know, roller skates are cool. They're <laughs> still around. Sorry, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I think to be honest I think it's at least the way I've utilized it it's more of like a um like a complement to what we're already doing so it's more of like a an added layer of preparation
2: mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. think
1: anything takes the place of that face to face interactions but you know my philosophy is trying to prepare the students as best they can before they get into the schools and I wouldn't want this to take the place of something that I'm already doing but I would love this to provide additional opportunities for them to get really, you know, well-defined and detailed practice, um, you know, before they have to go in and teach the kids. So that, that at least, again, this is all like the infancy stages of it. There's a lot of, um, I would say like things that I would wish VR could do that they te- technically can't right now. So for example, like my students can't go in and throw a ball all to each other and catch it because there's no basically like object permanence. So like you can pick up a ball, but then it just like drops out of your hand. So like the actual like practical teaching piece of like seeing students interact with different things you can't do, but like the, you know, physical spacing of where students are and transitioning them and those, and, you know, visualizing the teaching bit so like when the teachers have to provide feedback or provide directions like that you can do but like the practical stuff right now is a little bit trickier like I have a couple like I don't know how long this podcast is I have a couple things that I have for the the spring or but I thought it was going to be for the spring but now it'll probably be for the future about like having 360 cameras and being able to watch a basically like expert teacher's performance from different perspectives Um, So like, that's another integration, but I just, I honestly like haven't gotten there yet with like what the best use case of that is. Right.
0: So, so there's still more uh, potential on the horizon that that could make it maybe even a little bit better than where it is today.
1: Yeah. I mean, like we're, if you think we're in like the infancy stages of this, if you think about the amount of money that's being put into all of this, I mean, it's like the equivalent of like Atari versus like whatever, I don't know, PlayStation five, you know what I mean? Like what? Like over the course of time, the technology is going to improve like a gazillion fold. Like this yeah. is probably like, you know, this is like paper people on, you know, on a, in a video game compared to what it's going to look like, right. which all that stuff is going to make it, I imagine, more effective.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So here, here's the one thing that I think in your experience, it, it, it's a little bit more specific than many elements of uh, virtual reality or other industries within this stuff. Um. When I'm in PE, I'm in high school or I'm in middle school or something like that, there are very specific boundaries and rules and expectations. You know, you, you don't throw a dodgeball at someone's head, you don't punch someone. You know, we we know those things because there's the physical interaction and, and outcomes and consequences of doing those things. In virtual reality, that gets a little bit it's it's more difficult like you said interactions are different um the the physical being isn't there do, do you establish those same rules like is that something you think about how do you you get where i'm like it, yeah it's, I it's do. kind of interesting but yeah I,
1: it's there really, yeah you know honestly the way in which i've utilize the tool right now, like as an instructional tool is more about teacher behaviors than student behavior. So it's more like focusing on the things the teachers can control and the teachers do that will dictate student performance and student outcomes. So like like a good example is like, if you provide a high quality demonstration and you follow these steps, the students are more likely to retain the information understand what they have to do. And then in turn, you know, perform that task more effectively. So we focus in, the, you know, in the class that I'm have utilized it more on teacher things that will impact student outcomes because you know there there's only so you know there are things that are in the teacher's control and then things that aren't. So we're trying to focus on the things that are really solely in the teacher's control. That it's not going to make everything perfect, but it's going to make it better than if they don't do it.
0: Right. Right. Okay. Okay. I understand that. Now I, I um I, I want to pivot to to I would say one of your other elements of, of your experience in life and, and what you're yeah. doing within your work. And, and that's the, the, the different work you're doing with incarcerated people and all that stuff. Can you give me a a little bit of a kind of a 30,000 foot yeah. view of what that is? Cause that, that takes us maybe a little bit away from virtual yeah. reality, but it's absolutely incredible and, and amazing as well.
1: Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. So it actually, it does, it, it actually dovetails better than you think. You just don't oh, okay. realize it. So, <laughs> I love um, that. So basically, so I started with a colleague, Dr. Jacobs. We started a program called Project Flex. And basically, it's a physical activity and life skills program for incarcerated youth. So we are currently in year five of this program. And we started in one uh, juvenile detention center, which is IYC St. Charles. And over the course of the, you know, the last few years, we've pivoted into um, expanded into three facilities. So now we're in IYC Chicago, IYC Warrenville and then St. Charles as well. So um, we're contracted by the state to provide kind of our programming. And basically what we do is we have kind of like our main hub which is, you know, teaching sports, um, non typically like non-traditional sports but we do all different things but then instilling life skills like communication, resiliency, um, like effort, like those types of things. And we try to teach these skills so that they can use them within the facility, but then hopefully they're going to transfer these skills into their life once they, once, you know, once they leave. So as we've expanded, we've started with that, but now we have one-on-one personal training, which is like a mentorship program for the youth. We have a female boxing club, we have a pickleball program, and then probably the one that we probably have the most press for here, at least, is something that we call like CREW, which is a college readiness program. Um, And basically every semester we'll bring uh, three to four youth from each facility to campus and provide them with like a day in the life of a college student. So it's like a eight to five where they come, they sit in on a couple of college classes, they interact with students, they go to their homes, they go bowling. We take them to a dining hall and do like, you know, basically just show them like what college is like. And essentially this is um, a really cool experience because when, Typically, the first reaction is, oh, like, you know, you work with incarcerated youth, like, you know, what's their crimes? About 50% of the kids that we have are in for murder. So like we're talking like higher level crimes uh, with the youth that we work with. Um, So a lot of these youth actually have never stepped foot on a college campus. So a lot of the research shows that if you can bring them here, um, it's just showing them that it's it's exposure and that increases the likelihood that they can, you know, come here, go to another school, but just showing them that it's possible. And probably the coolest bit of feedback that we get from that experience, at least, is that the youth will come and say like, oh, I, we're like no different than a lot of the kids here. You know what I mean? Like they sit on a college class and they're like, oh, like we can answer these questions. Like we can do these things. And it just gives them that understanding that like they made maybe a bad choice or maybe they had, you know, a bad decision or two which 99.9% of the time it's out of stuff that's out of their control and that they had to do to survive and not because they're like a bad kid. You know what I mean if you're not eating and your family's not eating, then you're going to do things that other people might not necessarily do. Or if your brother or sisters gets into trouble, you're probably going to help protect those people and a lot of these things unfortunately are out of the youth's control. And so what we do is just, you know, I mean we do a lot of different things but with that program specifically we're bringing them to campus to just show them, like, listen, like, not that you have to go to NIU or a college, but like, you can do these things, um, and it's been really impactful for the youth, and probably more impactful for us, just you know, seeing how it has helped them.
0: Zach, that that is, um, is very emotional. I mean, to 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 think about it and to know that you're doing that stuff. So I want to commend you and Dr. Jacobs for for doing that stuff because that is very important work, and I for for our listeners, I, I want to define youth what what is what is the the normal age range of kind of where you're at so that for we have a better idea of the context
1: yeah that's a great question so um the definition in the facility would be anywhere from thirteen to twenty um typically the youngest kids that are in the facilities are going to be 15 sixteen okay. predominantly the kids are seventeen to 20 that we work with but I mean there are younger but like the large majority of the kids in all these facilities are in that like 17 to 20 age group. At 21, they age out and they either go to what the kids call like big boy jail, or they go to, like the adult facility, essentially, or they get released.
0: For for you, Zach, that that seems like. Um... I, I I don't mean to go spiritual with this, but there's that that's a calling within that one that a lot of people want to do good and want to give back. But you know, when you say, all right, well let let's start working with people in jail. <laughs> you're like, hey, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna yeah, go are. to a food pantry. You know, it's it's one of those things. There, what brought you to that? And, and what were there biases? Were there were there obstacles that you had to get through to to come through that? Were there fears? I, am I even identifying anything correctly yeah
1: so to give you just more so when i was getting my phd my last uh year i actually taught physical education in a female juvenile detention center in alabama and um so that was super stressful super rewarding um and after that i was like i'd never want to do that again but as i kind of as time went on i was like you know the impact that you make or that i felt that i made with those girls was so strong and i was trying to figure out like oh you know I don't know if I want to be in the facility, you know, five days a week for 25 hours, but I know that that I want that to be part of kind of like my life again. So Dr. Jacobs is from Chicago as well. And she had some experience working with like, like youth that are involved in gangs in Chicago. And she's a close friend. And we just kind of, you know, it just kind of stemmed from there in terms of like biases and, you know, those types of things, to be honest, like, you know, we're like, she's also... We're, I'm like 35. She's 34. We're all like white, you know, like white people that are not like super cool. Like we go in there and own like what we are yeah. um, and not try to be anything that we're not, you know what I mean? Like, um, which I think is really important because the youth are extremely perceptive and they understand like, it, you know, if we're trying to be something not that we're not like, they're going to pick up on that. Um, A lot of it honestly is, the, you know, a lot of the kids just don't have stability Mm -hmm. Um, and they don't have people in their life that are like, like foundational pieces for them. So, you know, we've been with some of these youth for like, well now like three or four years. I mean, a lot of the ones that we were with when we started have aged out and we're there. I mean, whether it's us or the graduate students we work with, we have a team of nine graduate students that are in there Monday for the most part, Monday through Thursday. Um, and some cases Friday, and they're just, they're always there. And so they're some of the more stable people in the youth's lives. And I think that makes a big difference. Like, I mean I have enough I think I'm going to say this and my wife might differ with this but I feel like I I'm I'm very good relationship wise in terms of like being able to build relationships with people mm-hmm. that's not the part my wife would disagree with this is what she would disagree with <laughs> she would disagree with I might I feel like I have enough sense to know like when I can like push a relationship to try to like get it going or if if a youth is just not interested in building relationships like there are plenty of youth that i'll go up to and try to talk to and you can just tell they want no part of me and i'm not going to force that interaction Um, and there are some youth that i have extremely strong relationships with that i can push way more than i can push my undergrads here and can say things to like really like critically make them think or criticize them um, or provide feedback on things that are really really harsh because the relationship's there there have definitely been times when we felt a little unsafe or unsettled or whatnot but um, you know, the facilities have been amazing um and very supportive and open to all the innovative ideas that we've had. And um, you know, it's probably the only it it, I mean, it's to our knowledge at least, it's the only university and, and juvenile in our partnership in the country. And it's only it's also like the only one that's providing sport with, you know, life skills and doing college visits and anything like that. So it's it's extremely innovative. Um and it's been it's fun I have a, a lot of good stories which is probably for another podcast but well
0: that, that's already what I was thinking Zach I like I, I want to have you and and Dr. Jacobs on together just to to dive into to that stuff even more so know that that's already on the, on the horizon there
2: um if I can jump on this I mean Zach, like uh absolutely like I I don't know I'm very uh I don't know I I would say like what you're doing is extremely interesting. And the fact that you find the time on top of being a professor in a college, which is already stressful and and busy. And you find the time for this type of project where really you have an impact on on people that, as you say, sometimes by circumstances, finding a place where they could have been in our classes every day if if it wasn't for where they were born or their background or stuff like that. So that truly I admire you uh, for that. Uh, I'm thinking, like, if if you guys have thought about the next step of how, or maybe how virtual reality might might bring this even further, it may like them getting some college credit of when they potentially can move back into society and pursue the fact that, like, you know, college is an option for them and see that, and you know, do not waste all those years and, and start preparing for uh for a better future i i'm just curious of that because virtual reality might help in especially in this situation where they are constrained in a you know in a place where it's difficult to find people like you as you said it's very unique program and just just a curiosity
1: yeah i appreciate that yeah and i don't know i don't know if people are st- if, if people actually are still listening to this like i'm gonna i'm gonna bring this back to the virtual reality so if if i've done a decent job then they should be um but so basically, um, one of the main reasons why I actually started to, or got involved in the virtual reality is because I was thinking kind of more about the jail than about the, actually the university students. So the practical applications that we're working towards is they've actually built out um, a virtual campus of NIU. So what we're gonna do is to supplement those crew visits when the kids come to campus we actually take them through a month long orientation where we teach them a bunch of different skills. We kind of try to start them on applications if that's part of what they want to do. And we do a lot of different stuff. So part of that in the future is going to be bringing them into the virtual reality campus. So they actually will get a chance to see the rec center, get a chance to see Anderson hall, see the home center. So they're going to have, so they're not going to be coming in blind. And the second piece of it is be, I, I, I kind of teased this before about those 360 cameras so they're actually literally like I have them like right here um they're on my desk but staring at me because I haven't used them yet but essentially I'm going to film uh, like some classes at NIU and then I'm going to have them go into so we're going to bring those classes into the virtual reality so that my the youth that we have there before they come to campus could actually sit in on some classes and that'll help pinpoint which classes they want to come to when they're on campus because we try to personalize the experience around the youth so for example if they're interested in business we'll take them to a business class if they're interested in sports psychology you know we'll do a sports psych class or whatnot so we're going to start to build a library out um and then have our youth go in there so like in terms of like what are the next steps for us honestly one of the things that we're not great at Jen and I are kind of like Self promotions and like shameless plugs and doing all those things, and we get honestly we get a lot of podcasts and a lot of like we've been on TV a couple of times. We actually HBO Sports reached out to us about doing um something, uh, and a lot of it is just balancing time, like the time commitment because it's a, it's a like it's a lot of time probably like you probably yeah I mean as you guys can imagine on top of just everything else and you know so. One of the things that we're trying to do, so we have a social media, um, like we have a website, we have a social media thing. So like if that would be something, that would be amazing if you guys can kind of, as you post this, post that as well, just to try to get like our followers. So we're at NIU Project Flex on um, Instagram. And that's something is we're always looking to partnership or partner with different corporations or foundations of people that are interested in, um, you know, donating time or donating money to help kind of expand what we want to do unfortunately money usually drives like what, what's what's feasible right. and what's not so um you know the state is really um they've done a nice job of you know funding a lot of things that we want to do but our next step is basically creating that pipeline from the facility into going to college so probably the more most alarming stat is about 93 percent of youth upon their release within five years are reincarcerated so essentially, you know, we're being able to quote unquote, like rehabilitate 7% of kids that are incarcerated. And the average cost to incarcerate a youth for one year is upwards of $180,000. And the average cost of a year of college and board and room is about $40,000. So if we can reallocate some of those funds, then, you know, obviously we can, you know, give kids college, you know, opportunities as opposed to keeping them in a 8 by 12 jail cell for a year.
0: Well, and then, Zach, on the, on the other side of that stuff, across our, our country, the, the idea of the classroom to prison pipeline, a lot of times, is it, on, on the front end of that, of like, all right, we have students that haven't done anything, and and because of their situations, because of a lot of other factors, they end up in that system, and now because they've been a part of it, we only know that Seven percent of them get out of that system. That that's just something from a sustainability like that. That needs to to shift. So again, I am truly blown away by by what you are all doing. I want to toss this out here to you um, because I think there are a lot of resources that that can come through. And in the College of Business, for for everyone listening, we have an experiential learning center. So we actually partner with different organizations and non for profit. Problem- Profits and have our business students come in and say, okay, what do you need? Is it updated social media campaigns? Is it is it websites? Is it all those things developing that content from a business side of things there? So I think um, that might be something that I'm going we'll to, will continue to communicate about because I think we also, have some, also, Zach, some I
2: Also, Zach, like I, I totally agree with you. Each one of them, I have different interests and there might be one class that of spark in them like a passion or something. So if you want... I will volunteer and be happy to help. Like if you want to teach like a data visualization and show them how to code and stuff like that. I don't know what resources they have, uh, but I, uh, I mean, I, I think I can find the time for for this cause and help you guys out if if uh, if if required. I mean, just I don't know if you have already a professor from the college of business, but you know, coding it can be something that uh, can be interesting for them. And uh, yeah, absolutely. So
1: yeah, we I mean, again, we haven't started to build out. That database yet um a lot it's just it's one of those things where we have a lot of ideas and it's just like and this is honestly like the crazy part about this is this is like a side thing like i actually have my own kind of research like this is (laughs) and it's like taking over my whole life i also have two kids under three like it's it's (laughs) just like
2: Zach. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's like it's yeah. It, it was That's what I say. I was wow, like ha, how do you find the time for doing all this? yeah I'm in the same position. I'm just an assistant professor. I'm not an associate professor, so I have also the tenure clock, but you know, like having a little child as well and is it, is tough. So yeah, it's, it's very it's admirable.
1: I think the you know, the 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 important thing is just enjoying like what you do and you know, it's definitely at times it's work. It feels like work right now in terms of like this time of the semester but it's definitely when you enjoy the things you're doing and you know that it's making an impact, um, you know, it makes it easier. But yeah, I think, I mean, honestly, the hardest part is trying, like we're a little siloed here in KMPE, yeah. like, you know, probably our own kind of by our own volition, but we're always open to talking to people because like that it's really, you know, we have funds, but most of the graduate students that we work with that we can fund um, and we fund nine underrepresented grad students, which is amazing. Um but most of that, all that is basically is manpower for the facilities. So, like, we don't have, I mean, we'd love to have someone, like, a social media coordinator. Like, we'd love to have someone with website design. Like, we'd love to have somebody for marketing, like, for, like, we we have, like, we basically have a bunch of flex shirts. Um, like, we have some sweatpants, some shirts that we give the youth and give our grad students. And we have, like, tons of people reach out that they want to buy it. And we're, like, cool, like, we can make a couple dollars a shirt, but, like, I'm not, like, shipping shirts from my house. Like, I, I just, like... Like, what are we doing? Like, what? So it's like those types of things, Um, you know, it, it can definitely, especially now with everything that's going on, you know, with Black Lives Matter and just right. with everything, like there's no one doing this stuff and we know that there's a place for it. We just, you know, that's not our area of expertise. Our area of expertise is like building relationships with kids and developing programs. It's not, you know, promotion and shameless plugs and stuff.
0: Right, right. And I I think um, I, I'm, Again, I, I believe that we were meant to, to be where we are right now and having this conversation. And I think uh, by you leading the way and doing this stuff, I, I think you might be surprised by what resources are going to be coming your way to help do some of those things. So um, I'm going to take that on and and, and make sure that, that we, we do that stuff for you all. Um, cool. I, I, not to completely shift into something that is not nearly as important. um. But what was the parachute thing for in in like in physical education? There was a day that they brought a huge parachute and we all like flipped it oh. up. And we all like, I, I still have, I, for my entire adult life, I've tried to figure out what the hell that was. I loved it. It was an enjoyable experience, but I need a professional expert to okay. tell me what that was. So
1: what I'm going to tell you is, you know, there's a lot of stereotypes that go with physical educators. Um, <laughs> like one of my favorites is like, there's a couple of favorites that I have out there. Um, in terms of, like, how they're portrayed in TV and the movies. I don't know if you guys are, like, modern family people, but, yeah, yeah. like, Pam becomes, like, with with, absolutely no credentials, becomes, like, a PE teacher, right? Like, out of nowhere. Cool. So that's fun. But then also, like, his portrayal of, like, super tight, like, maybe a little overweight. And then, you know, just, like, some of the activities that he chooses to do might not be, like, the ideal, like, gold standard. Right. Right. So, like, how that relates to parachuting is... know if they were doing it right you know in the elementary level you're supposed to teach movement concepts so like above below like stretching twisting like i almost guarantee that everyone that teaches the parachute is not doing that got it if i were to tell you like the you know what they should be doing that's probably you know they should be teaching you these movement concepts that you can integrate you know with the parachute but then also you know integrate into your real life like your hands are above your head now they're below your head like you're going to go into the parachute. You're going to go outside. You know, like those are the things you're teaching kindergartners, first graders. But like, you know, the real answer to the, this is like the real, the true people that are still listening. There's probably zero, but <laughs> it's just because it's like fun and the kids like it. And sometimes like if things aren't going your way and you need a 10 minute killer, like parachute usually doesn't fail.
0: Oh, perfect. Okay. I love that. But I, to be very honest, I did not think of uh, of those things uh, of the the mental gymnastics of being able to say up, down, in, out and and working in reality within that stuff. So I am very grateful for that because I'm like that's I know there a, ha-
1: that's a stretch though. So like, let's let's <laughs> okay. call like, it, like it, it. That's a stretch, up. but you know. <laughs>
0: I really appreciate that, though. That at least gave me some context for what was going on with with my life that day. Yeah, you can
1: die like a a content man now. Yeah, I'm fully
0: actualized because of that moment right right there. Thank you so much for that one. I I wanna I know you've uh, identified that you're not good at shameless plugs, but I do want to give you some time. Hit what how can we, if if some of our people are interested um in getting involved and in, in doing that stuff or just following the, the journey that you're doing, I, I wanna I wanna give you that platform right now. Yeah,
1: yep, I appreciate that. Um so a couple of things. I think first and foremost, um Project Flex is our physical activity and life skills program in the in the juvenile detention center. So We have a website which i can send russ and uh biagi i'll send you guys the link to that um we created ourselves and we actually have a little bit of monies that we're updating so that link might change but for now that's what it is and then probably another help would be just following us on instagram so it's niu project flex and that's on instagram um a couple of our grad students are in charge so they do TikToks and they do videos but really the purpose of it is to kind of get an inside look at kind of like what it's like going into the facilities, some of the work that we're doing. Um, We're not allowed to bring any technology into the facility, but there's some really cool stuff when the youth come to campus, whether it's to play basketball for um, like we have a basketball team or whether it's for those crew visits. So you kind of get an insight into like what we do. And then also we're always looking for um, every year, we usually hire two to three graduate students. So we're actually able to fund uh, graduate students. So if anyone's interested in actually going into the facilities um, and providing, um, you know, facilitating lessons with a background in music, sport, fitness, any of those things, definitely you know give us a, you know, give me a call or shoot me an email or come visit. And then any sort of volunteer work in terms of, um, you know, like we have we help with marketing, with sponsorships, with website design, social media, any sort of publicity, like all that stuff is definitely appreciated and we're definitely interested. I, we work with a lot of undergraduate and graduate students that we can't necessarily pay in dollars, but we can do independent studies um, and directed research. So you're getting college credits to actually help, um, you know, yeah. kind of move the program forward. And I think the coolest thing about this is, is that we've had a lot of graduate students that have kind of moved on and graduated and, you know, this is more of like for the the students, but, you are. If this is on your resume, this is a hundred percent going to be the first question that they ask you about is going into a facility or working with incarcerated youth. It's because anytime you watch TV or you look at something and you it says jail, you're going to stop and read it because it's it's a it's unfortunately it's very sexy and unfortunately or fortunately not a lot of people get to experience it. Um, and everyone wants to know what it's actually really like. So, um, you know, there's it's it's a really unique opportunity and there's a lot of ways that people can help. So we, you know, I appreciate everyone just listening and following and just for you guys giving us the platform. Um,
0: Zach, Dr. Wall, thank you so much for this time. Um, For everyone listening, we're going to get the links on the description below this one so you can get in contact and and follow more of that stuff there. So um, truly, thank you so much for all the work you're doing. Uh, keep, Keep it up. But also, you know, um, self care and take a nap every now and then, okay. Dr. Wall, <laughs> I appreciate
1: that. Awesome, you have a great day! Thanks so much. Thank you, guys, as well. Thanks for having me. Bye,
0: and thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in to another episode of The Gateway brought to you by NIU's College of Business. Please make sure to subscribe to The Gateway. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are found, and if you are so inclined, please feel free to give us those five-star ratings, which help allow us to continue to bring wonderful guests to the gateway. Thank you all for listening, and remember to love always the promise of tomorrow today.